Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. We're glad you're here today. I want to remind you, if you'd like to give to what God is doing here in Cersei, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 or go to newlifechurch.tv slash giving to give online. As always, thank you so much for your faithfulness and supporting the local church. Now prepare your hearts for a great word from Pastor Kevin today. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? So listen, today is Father's Day, and we want to thank you, say thank you to every single dad in the room. Your influence on your family is so significant and important, and um, you um, are helping generations that you may not even be able to see with your physical eyes. And um, since I have the mic, I want to publicly thank my father who is here um, this morning and tell him Happy Father's Day. I'm so sorry that my sister was so belligerent and that I was so perfect. I know as a, as a parent, that's probably hard to parent those two extremes, but um, thank you for uh, taking that on. I love you, Dad. Um, I want to start this message with a mental exercise, and I know what, what you're thinking a lot of you have been in your pajamas at this time, and so it's going to be hard for you to actually think right now. You know, we got to get your mind ready for that on Sundays. But I want you to think about one thing, and it's this. When is the last time you ran? All right? When's the last time you ran? And I want you to think about what that looked like. Okay, so was it like from the couch to the fridge or the couch to the bathroom or from the front door to the mailbox, or did you actually go on a run? All right, did you, um, were you able to make it? Did you like it? Did you get a runner's high? Was it under the light of day, or did you prefer the darkness of night when nobody could see you? Was it a treadmill? Um, what, what was it? I want you to just get that image in your head, because we're going to use this entire metaphor today of running and I'm going to talk to our dads today about what this means for our lives. So I want to take you to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to talk about a very significant text here. Now, I'll just give you a brief context. Um, this letter is, is an inspirational letter. It is one of uh, designed to motivate the saints it is designed to inspire a new church. And so as they are listening, they are being taught about, if, if you back up to one chapter, you know, um, he is teaching them about faith. And he tells them, this is what the people before you did, so don't let your expectations of, of having this perfect life um, come into your mind. Now, God wants to bless you. He loves you. He's for you, got a plan, but that doesn't mean that life is perfect. And so he's challenging them, and then he comes in with this great three verses that I want to focus on today, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1, 2, and 3, and so I want to read that today. He says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, and the sin... That so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. In verse 3, 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now, I want to talk for just a second about an experience that I had last year. Okay, so last fall, 2019, fall of 2019, some of our men got together and we went on a little hike. And so we got together, we uh, went off to this trail that Chris Insel knew about. And if you know Chris, Chris was leading it and Chris hikes often and he's in great shape and most of us were not. Okay, I'm not going to speak for everybody. I'll speak for myself. And this particular hike had no warm-up. Like, it wasn't like, okay, we're, we're going to walk, you know, half a mile or a mile, a flat. And then it was like this from the first step. So I knew that I needed to talk to Chris, and I was going to try to do it in a way that I was talking about me, but I was going to make it about somebody else. And so I was like, Chris, let me talk to you for just a second. Man, hey, listen, I know you and I are great at this, but there are a few in our group today that might really struggle. They, um, you know, haven't hiked in a while, may not be able to maintain the pace. So why don't you just slow down, okay? Because if, if you know Chris, Chris hikes at 26 miles an hour. And so I stayed on him, stayed on him. He was like, he was like okay, I got it. I, I won't go fast. I'm like, all right, great. So the, the order of when we started off was like Chris and me, then everybody else. And we go straight up this hill. Now, after about 500 yards, I was, I was burning. Like, everything burned. So I decided, <clears throat> all right, I got to get out of this. I'm going to stop and act like I'm checking on people. That'll feel pastoral, friendly. So I just stopped. And I'm like, how's everybody doing? You know, everybody's like, we're good. You know, we just got started. What do you mean? You know, and so everybody's walking by me. And so now I get to about halfway into the, this pack of, of men walking. And before, it wasn't long, okay? By the time we reached the first crest, I was all the way in the back. And then the, the jokes started. Hey, what are you doing back there? And I'm like, hey, every train's got to have a caboose, okay? I got to. Be back here, Mr. Responsible. Got to keep everybody moving on. I'll prod everybody like a good shepherd does. And I'll just, you know, keep keep everybody moving. And then before long, the train had, was way ahead of me. And the caboose had somehow detached from the last car and just kind of, you know, was drifting backward. And before long, I, I didn't even see anybody. And the laughter had stopped because it was way ahead, and I'm on this trail by myself. Now, I'm going to take that and talk about Paul addressing the Hebrews and what this means when he says, run with perseverance and to throw off everything that, that, that hinders us. And so as, as you let your mind's theater play out through this message this morning, I want you to think about that, about this path. And it's so good and it's rich. He said, hey, there's, there's a path for all of you. It's marked out for you. Um, I've got, I've got the plan. All you got to do is stay on it, keep going, run with perseverance. And it's very inspirational. But there are a few things 
that we can, if we're not careful, begin to happen as life happens to us. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. The first thing I want to discuss is keeping up. That when we're on this journey, we keep up the pace. We're staying in there. And the primary symptom, I think, of keeping up is happiness. It brings joy to all of our lives. And men, I'm talking specifically to you this morning with this. Doesn't mean it won't apply to anybody else, but that's the filter that I'm, I'm, I'm going to use today is, is our, our dads. Keeping up is when we are the most happy. Because naturally, or instinctively, as men, we have this checklist. And as long as the boxes are getting checked, we have a sense of fulfillment. So we're driven by getting things done. We like things to be checked off and cleared out and, okay, that's done. And we compartmentalize. And so now we can move on to the next thing and then the next thing. So keeping up for us feels like our best life. Keeping us, keeping up rather is when everything feels as it as 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 it should it's when all the plates are spinning and when all the loose ends are tied up and when all the t's are crossed keeping up is when we feel the most emotionally and spiritually fulfilled i have kept up but keeping up requires a lot of stamina but it goes further than, than that because keeping up often has to be collaborated with or partnered with strategy. Because how long can you maintain the pace? How long can you be the, the father and the spouse and the business owner and, and you're, you're raising kids and you're, you're doing life and you're maintaining a home or properties or whatever it is that you do in your life that formulates those little boxes that you need to check off. I mean, to survive a day, to keep up for a day, you're like, that was fantastic. I had a very productive day. But can we do it for a week? Can we do it for a year? Can we do it for five years? So stamina and pace often requires strategy. Lee Iacocca, he used to tell his guys, he would say, listen, you can do the work of two people, but you're never going to be two people. Like, you can, you can do it for a while. Like you can do the work of two people, but you're never going to duplicate yourself. There can't ever be two of you. This was a warning to his staff. And so when you think about this, there is a biblical principle or a biblical pattern, rather, that, that we see that keeping up often required other people being on our team. Think about it. David had a Jonathan. John had a James, Paul had a Barnabas, Mary had Elizabeth, Ruth had Naomi, Elijah had Elisha, and so on and so on and so on. It was like we needed help to maintain the pace, to maintain the ministry, to maintain the work, to maintain the home, to maintain all of these things. Stamina had to have a strategy. Keeping up is very, very difficult. It has to be intentional. You don't accidentally keep up. 
So let me put that in a box and come back to it at, at the very end. Let me tell you the second thing that we do on, on, on the, this, this run, on, on, on this path, is this. Catch up. So we start to fall behind, and it puts us in the, in the position of now we have to make up the distance. It's like me pausing on that hike with those men and saying, well, now I'm not behind the leader like I was. Now I'm in the middle. If I want to get back there, I'm going to have to catch up. And then finding myself at the end and then not hearing laughter anymore and then not seeing anybody anymore and suddenly I'm in isolation because I need to catch up. The primary symptom here is fatigue. Like, I'm tired. Like, I'm, I'm at this place in my life where I'm just, I, I'm, I'm tired. So it makes me wonder, like, how many men, how many dads are in this room today, and this is where you find yourself? This desire to catch up, or the need to catch up, the drive to catch up. And you're tired. Like, you're fatigued, like, like the plates are spinning, but man, it sure is exhausting. There's a great quote, and because catching up is when you realize like you're you're not prepared. It didn't take me long on that man hike to realize I don't I don't think I'm prepared for this. Like should stretch a little bit, maybe, or energy drink. Red, Red Bull, I don't know. What, what do I need to get through this? A daily habit about six months ago? What do I need to get through this? Okay, But there's this great quote, and it's unknown, probably because so many people use it, but it says, those who do not prepare panic. How real is that? You find yourself in this place where you're needing to catch up, and you're not prepared, so what do you do? You freak out. Oh man, this is this is not good. Like I gotta, I gotta get back. Um, I wasn't ready for this. I wasn't prepared for this. So now I gotta, I gotta work harder. I gotta think smarter. I gotta do things now that I wasn't prepared for. And now instead of having a strategy, you throw together a plan to just make a comeback, just just to get you back to the place where you once were. Now, when Paul's teaching this, he He's already on to our thought process. So in verse 1, he tags on this challenge. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders. And when you and I think of this word, throw off everything that hinders, I don't want you to think of this real cute, organized, like, oh, wow, it's getting hot, so I'm going to peel this jacket off and hang it up. This, this verbiage right here, throw off, means like like bees are on you. Like, I mean, ugly, take it off in a hurry, get rid of it, throw it down, stomp on it, walk away, throw it away, do whatever you got to do to separate yourself from it. That's the imagery that he's preaching. Throw off the things that are hindering you. So it's a great time to pause this for just a minute and ask every father in the room, what? is hindering you. What hinders you? What is that thing in your life that shouldn't be there? 
What's that thing in your life that has developed a root system that should have never been allowed in the first place? What is the habit? What is the addiction? What is the thought that haunts you, that keeps you, that restricts you, that fatigues you? What is that thing in your life that hinders you? I think it's, 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 it's a great question. And so here's the big truth about catching up that we've got to be really careful with is this. Catching up is just one step away from giving up. It's just one step. And so when we reach this place, I, I, again, I, I love the forethought that, that he has because in verse 3, this is what he says. When he tells us, throw off everything that, that hinders you, he comes back with this very quick remark and he says, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, he's saying, if you don't get rid of it, if you don't separate yourself from it, if you don't get away from this stuff that so easily entangles you, then you're going to reach a place where fatigue sets in and you will find yourself weary and losing heart. What does this look like? Well, it means that you find yourself in a place to where you're a shell of a man. And you're operating solely from your character or your integrity or your work ethic. And all three of those are phenomenal things. But when you're doing them on that alone, it can be a, a, a wearisome circumstance for us. So we find ourselves doing all those things and going through all the check boxes and going to work every day and hugging the, the, the kids and, and eating and showering and sleeping and doing the same thing over and over and over again, mindless, without joy, without abundance, without happiness, aimlessly wandering on this path, and you've lost heart. When we give up, the primary symptom there comes from pain. And when pain sets in, it is awful. Because pain tends not to be introspective. And men, we're prideful enough that we would go, yeah, I got this big hurt in my life, but let me tell you where it came from. Very seldom do we have the ability to take that finger and point it back at ourselves Instead, we want to point it outward, and we don't really care where it goes. We don't care where it gets spewed. We just want to point it outward. I mean, right now, when you look at your social media feed, it is the most toxic feed that I've ever seen since I joined Facebook. Why? Because hurt people hurt people. And we don't care where it it goes. If we blame a people group, if we blame a president, if we blame an organization, if we blame God, it doesn't matter. But let's start on a basic scale. A lot of times we blame our parents. Well, if my dad had only played ball with me, if my mom had only stuck around, I would have been a different person. If my spouse would just be the spouse that I need them to be for me, then my life would be better. If my kids were not crazy, 
life, if my boss would stop bypassing me and really see the potential, if God would only answer the prayer, and you know which prayer I'm talking about, the one, the prayer, if he would just answer that one, everything else falls into place. You know what, what we're really praying when we say that? We, we're praying that God would be the genie in the bottle. Like, if you just give me those three things, health, wealth, and whatever else that you want it to be, if you just give me those things, God, and everything else would come into play. Why you got to do that? Why you got to hurt me? Why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you a, 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 a father who loves? And suddenly we're just from a position of pain and hurt, giving up. We're projecting blame and aiming it at, at other people. Stephen Covey made this great quote. He says it often, but he says, we're not a product of a circumstance. We're a product of our own decisions. We are the ones. It's very difficult for us to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, this is happening because of decisions that you are making about your life. And when you go through pain, you are easily forged oftentimes into one of two categories. You are either hypersensitive where everything becomes about you. It's like you got this open wound. And you, ever, you ever had somebody like after surgery and they, they, they didn't know you had it and they, they hit you and you're like, oh, man, you know, I was sunburned or I had a wound there. I just got stitches on my back. You, got, you just hit it. Get your COVID hands off me. Everything becomes about you. It's like this real sense like, I know they were talking about me on that Facebook post. I know they were. Did they mention your name? No, but I know it's me. Did you see the way they, they looked at us? Everything becomes this hypersensitivity. Why? Because you're hurt. Or you become completely desensitized. You don't care what they think. You don't care what your spouse thinks. You don't care what, what God thinks. And you don't even care what you think. You have numbed yourself to the world, and your position is, I'll just go wherever this current takes me. Why? Because you're hurt. You don't want to think anymore. You don't want to care anymore. You don't want to be weary with it anymore. And you have given up. But watch. Faith cannot fix what we are not willing to face. So men, we got to stop at some point and turn around and face the music of our lives and go, I am so fatigued and weary. Why is this? How did I get here? How do I make a change? And perspective here is, is very important because oftentimes men will label themselves the worst, okay? Because they are bad critics. And they'll look at their lives and they go, well, I failed at that. I failed at a marriage. I failed at being a dad. I failed at that, that job. I wish I still had it, but I can't go back there. Now I'm doing this. Don't really want to do this. Would love to go back to that, but I failed at it. And it, so it's fail, 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 fail. But listen, failure can be some great fertilizer. When you are, are raw and, and, and the soil of your heart has been turned or your life, it's a great time to invest in yourself. When you are, are hurt, when you're tired, it's a great opportunity. For you to reach up to God and say, now's, now's the time that I need you right now and I'm asking you. 
to plant seed in the middle of this failure. You hear me say this often, but this is how wounds get turned into wisdom. This is how one generation of men turns down to another generation and says, let me tell you how to do this better. And you can't find that in a book and you can't find it at a university. It has to come from the men in this room who have failed at something and now have turned that wound into wisdom and you're willing to show it to another generation. That's what makes it so powerful. Say, listen, I know you're you're in your 20s and you're a real jerk right now. But listen, by the time you hit 35, let me tell you how to do that. Or, hey, I lost a marriage. Let me talk to you about what's going on right now. How how great is it? Let me me tell you how, how to get your boss's attention at work. If you really want to stick out, you don't have to lie, deceive, and manipulate. This is how you can do it. That's turning wounds into wisdom. So here's where those running shoes that Paul talks about hits the proverbial pavement. And man, I want you to li- li- listen up for the next 10 minutes, okay? Because this is where I'm going to pour in some oil right now into your life. Men are terrible about just saying, I will apply myself, okay? So what you tend to do when you hear a message like this is to tell yourself, okay, you're talking to me, get it, understand it, I'm a little fatigued, I'm playing catch-up, maybe I'm on the verge of giving up, maybe you gave up two years ago. And you hear that and you say a statement to yourself like, I will do more or I will be better. And that is not what I want you walking out with today. Because that's typically us. Got it. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be better. The Nike slogan, just do it, was the perfect motivator for some of of you. These three simple words describe many of you perfectly. Examples of this, okay? Maybe you weren't able to get to the yard this week. So what tends to happen is you tell your family, hey, listen, you guys go on and do this or go on and go to church or go on to your mama's for lunch. I'm going to stay home. And I'm going to knock this yard out. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be better. So when y'all come back, the yard's going to look great. The driveway's going to be edged. The sidewalks are going to be blown. I'm going to catch up on what I could not get done this week because I worked or life was too busy. Or you have a little COVID weight gain around the midriff. So you say to yourself, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to put in twice the time. I'm going to stay twice as long. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be better. This is your answer to everything. Okay, great. You have an argument with with your spouse. This is your answer. I'm going to do more. I'm going to be better. You look at your interaction with your children. You say, I'm going to do more. I'm going to be better. You look at your relationship with God. You say, I'm going to do more. I'm going to be better. And it's killing you. Because you are trying to keep up and catch up and you think that your own ability is the answer to do more, to be better. So let me tell you the answer to this. Here is the gospel. The true gospel is this. It's not for you to do more. 
It's for you to fully surrender to the fact that you can't do enough to catch up or keep up. As a matter of fact, men, the only thing that you can do in this room by yourself is give up. The only thing that you can do in this room on your own strength is to throw your hands in the air, throw a towel, quit, lay down, scream, cry. You can do that on on your own strength, but you cannot catch up and you cannot keep up on your own ability. Some of you are really good, but you're not great. Here's what I think we need to hear some of this this morning. It's like we often... We, we, we never forget that, that, that we're Christians, but we often forget that we're human. There has to be a spiritual awakening in, in our lives, okay? Give me five minutes. I'm going to wrap up. Let me take you to Matthew and tell you this very important verse here. Matthew chapter 19, verse 16, if you're following me. This man walks up to Christ, and this is what it says. Just then a man came up to Jesus, and he says this. Watch, because this is typical of, of men. Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? You see it? What do I got to do? Just tell me. I'll be smarter. I'll do more. I'll be better. Just tell me. And Jesus' response to him was this, in verse 17, Why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. And then he goes on to tell him about the the, the commandments and remind him of that. And the man says this, All of those I've kept. So what, what do I still lack? He's so driven by, by the, the checklist. Teacher, what, what do I got to do to have e- eternal life? Why are you talking to me about good stuff? The commandments. I've kept all those. I'm good too, see? I'm good. That's what he's saying. I'm good. I've kept all those. So what else? We do the same thing. Jesus goes on and starts to have to use this language because this is not the first time he's asked, or the last time, rather. And finally, he changes his language, and he goes, you must be born again, meaning you've you've got to have a spiritual awakening in you and get this, this life, this thing, this purpose, this existence is not about you pulling 12 and 14 hour days. It's not about a checklist. It's not about going through the things that you think you ought to have in your 20s and the things you ought to have in your 30s and the things you ought to have in in your 40s and so on and so on. It's not the, the comparison game. You've got to have a spiritual awakening. Millennials are leaving the church in droves. This is, is the generation born between 80 and 94 or from 26 to 40 years old. A large percentage of them are becoming agnostic, even atheists. Why is that? I can tell you. Part of it is this. It's not a far leap. When you're on this journey, this running with perseverance, 
and you think you've got to do it all by yourself and on your own strength, it's not a far leap to go from, I don't trust you, to, I don't believe in you. It's not, it's not, a, not a far leap. When we come to this epiphany that we're weary and fatigued and every day is about catching up to the one in front of us and life loses all of its, all of its joy and you're on a pace that you can't maintain, the truth of, of the matter is you can't do it on your own. And here's the biggest truth. You were never designed to do it on your own. God designed you to need Him. So I'll I'll end with this statement. If you were going to make a body, soul, spirit statement, each one of those had to make a statement today, it it would be this. Your body and mind would need, need to say, I can't do this by myself. And maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray today. I cannot do this alone. Maybe that's the realization. Maybe that's what you're drawing from the message today. I can't do this by myself anymore. I can't be a good enough dad. I can't be a good enough father. I can't be a good enough business owner. I, I just, I can't, I can't do it alone. A soul statement is this. God designed me to need Him. Therefore, He is my strength. He is my joy. He is what fulfills me. And then if your spirit made a statement, it would be this. I want to love God's path more than my own path. I want to be on on the right path, the one that's marked out for me, and I want to throw off every hindrance, and I want to run with perseverance so that I do not grow weary and lose heart. I want you to bow your heads with me really quick today. I just want to ask you, so Kevin, I'm, I'm here this morning. This is the pattern of my life. Catching up. Maybe tempted to give up. Maybe you've already given up. Dads, I'm not trying to be crass, but maybe, maybe, maybe you're here today because your wife told you you were coming. Why? Because you gave up. And you're here today and you're weary and you've lost heart. I want to pray with you.